What's the hardest change you've had to absorb as a member of the pandemic generation? For many folks, it's been the separation from family. It's hard to be around older parents these days and not feel like you might be putting them at some risk. That has certainly been one of my biggest challenges. See, one of the themes of the podcast this week is closure, which I can deeply relate to. My father, Joseph W. Rockland, an 87-year-old man in an assisted living facility who I haven't seen face-to-face in many months, except for the occasional FaceTime provided by his caregivers, passed away during the pandemic. While COVID wasn't what took him in the end, not being able to spend any time with him till it was too late was some days just much too much to bear. Hold who you have close, my friends. It's one of the few relief valves you have during these trying times. Sildan Gossens is a real man of the world. Having lived and worked in six countries across four continents, he loves to travel and has always been fascinated by different cultures. A technologist working in Los Angeles, he currently lives in the Santa Clarita Valley and works in Hollywood. He's a real Southern California road warrior in the truest sense of the word. My guest today is Sildan Gossens. He's an old friend of mine and uh, I want to welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sildan. Hey, thank you for inviting me. So uh, we're living in extraordinary times. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about what you do um, under normal circumstances? And, um, and then I want to hear a little bit more about what's changed since the world changed. Yeah, well, uh, overall, I'm a technologist, right? So it's all about technology. My work is, you know, helping organization to move everything to digital or to virtualize everything or to implement processes to support their customers, implement tools to manage their workforce or manage <clears throat> their services. So and leveraging uh, technology. Are you focused around any particular industries or has it just been general for you? <clears throat> It's been very general. I mean, I used to work for a, a big corporation where I was very focused around the entertainment. Um, living in Los Angeles, I would say fortunately or unfortunately, it sounds like uh, any of my customers today have to do have something to do with entertainment. Yeah. <clears throat> so today I'm working for a company which they own, the only business they have is to provide services to the film industry. <laughs> okay, well, uh, which... Uh, that's what I was doing as well, kind of before uh, before I wound up in the place I'm at. And then, you know, our friend, the pandemic came along and kind of stopped all of that. Yeah. So uh, again, to, com- to complete that, so I'm an independent today. So I'm providing my services who, to people who want, I mean, or need, I mean, my services. I, I found out, you know, in the, the past, I mean, two or three years, uh, there there is a lot of needs of people which have... Um, I would say experience in terms like uh, across uh, the multi layers of technology from a front end up to a back end and also solution, being able to, you know, implement solution. When I say solution, it's people, processes and technology. And, and I think we're going to get back to this a bit more and more um, the way I see it. I mean, everything's so easy to consume today with the, the cloud I and mean, technology as we call it yeah 
Yeah. That we start to see a lot of companies going back in the back end and said, hey, we don't have any processes internally. We don't know where, where is things. Uh, we don't know what services we're providing. We don't know what's the cost of it. So we start, I start to see in lots of organizations, they want people who, who have experience uh, operationally, but across, I mean, the spectrum of the technology to figure out what they have, what processes or services they need to, to, to package to be successful. What was your day-to-day like uh, before the lockdowns came in Los Angeles and what changed for you after that? <laughs> That's a very interesting one and very good question because uh, my day-to-day uh, was really uh, avoiding the traffic, so leaving at uh, 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 in the morning. <laughs> so I could, I could eat my office around, uh, my office was in, uh, in Hollywood. Um, so, uh, yeah, five thirty, six in the morning, maximum I was on the road. So I could be in the office, you know, at six forty-five or seven. Yeah. And I was trying to do my best. I mean, to leave around 3 PM, same thing to avoid the traffic, right. And get back on to a decent hour. Well, most of the time you end up to be, you know, in the office at 7 AM and leave at 7 PM. Yeah. That's <laughs> this my life. Common, this was the common, you know, common theme. Only because I'm someone who doesn't like to, and you drive a convertible too, so we, we cannot get it there. I don't like to be in the traffic. So I would rather spend the next two hours doing something else, walking, and be on the road and move instead of yep. being stuck behind someone. So Yeah, that I, I always work the same way. There's a bubble in the morning that you have to hit in order to avoid the morning traffic. Because you and I both uh, have worked a fairly decent distance away from where we live. Right. And so I, it was the same thing for me. I would drop my kid off at school at, uh, at, you know, six fifteen in the morning and then I'd be in the office at seven fifteen, and then I'd work until seven o'clock at night, not because I couldn't be done by five, but because if I stopped at five, I'd sit in traffic for two hours. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had exactly the same approach. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> So what I changed? Well, the change was, and for me, started earlier. Um, uh, I think the last, the last time I was in the office was around uh, really the first week of March. Uh, I, I couldn't, I cannot remember exactly if it was the third or the fifth of March. So it was kind of two weeks earlier than everybody else. However, I was already kind of uh, working two days, sometimes three days, you know, uh, from home. And I'm used to work remote. I mean, I started to work remote back in 96. It was the first time I started to work remote. So it's not unusual for me. But here what I change is instead of going every day or three times a week, uh, well, I started to stay home all the time. Okay. How did communication in the business change? Are you doing a lot? Uh, were you always doing a lot of things like video conferencing or conference calls? Well, as I was working, uh, you know, like two, sometimes three days a uh, a week from home, we, we were leveraging all the, uh, you know, uh, social platform and video conferencing uh, tools we have in place, not only to work internally with the, the people in the company, but also working with uh, suppliers, working with um, uh, contractors, I mean, we have and company we're working with. So this didn't, I mean, change, except now it's more, I mean, 24 by 7, I mean, being that way. The, the only thing which really had changed is for the workforce, I believe, uh, you know, internally, for us into the uh, technology department, as uh, soon as they made the announcement about, hey, people, we're going to close down, I mean, the office and people's going to have to work, work I mean, remote, 
this was a huge uh, kind of impact into the technology people in the organization because here in less than a couple of days, we had to figure out how to get everybody, you know, remote. Not, not by the lack of having remote access or VPN, but file sharing, the printing, people using different technology. This was the challenge. In less than five days and working over weekend and night, we have to move everybody, everything, I would say productivity tools and file and document securely into the cloud so people could access it. So you, that's what you did. You moved everything up into a cloud environment or did you just provide them remote access? They have remote access, but the remote access, uh, if something happens inside the building, we have a problem with the network. Uh, even if we have a, a cloud I mean, network I mean, providers using a, one of big organizations like Cisco, still we don't control what happened in the you know, computer room, PSA, right? If someone turned off the switch, well, now nobody can access anything inside the office. So we moved all the services where which were still inside i mean the building outside so the remaining shop on site uh there's some shop on servers some microsoft i mean database so was that a decision i'm curious because this is the you're the first person i've spoken to who who worked in a place where they specifically made a decision at the point of going remote to move everything up into the cloud were you doing that Prior, were you working towards getting to a uh, an offsite kind of infrastructure before all this happened, or and this just accelerated it, or was this just somebody's new idea of how to do it because of the conditions? No, it was part of my recommendation and uh, part of the roadmap. I told them because the, the organization is kind of small. Um, they had, I mean, uh, old, I mean, legacy system. I said, you're making, you're spending more time and money to maintain this system and doing the way you're doing it today than just to push everything to the cloud. Okay. Especially they are Microsoft, uh, you know, uh, uh, soundtracks in terms of all their productivity tools. So I said, you know what, you, we're already using Team. Um, you know, teams, teams uh, attach them into SharePoint. So move all your files into SharePoint so people can access the file from team, can from their OneDrive. Um, let, let's not have anything, you know, internally and everything which is uh, the remaining kind of uh, legacy SharePoint or database or access database they had internally. I said, let's move that to the cloud, to Azure, to Microsoft. Let's put, the, let's put a VPN in so we can secure the access to it so we don't have to upgrade it. But at least you're not dependent to the office anymore. Um, yeah, and that, that's it, cool. It was also an opportunity to clean up, I would say, uh, the structure about the file and the file sharing, which was a mess, and reducing the number of tools and platform like uh, they were using. So between the SharePoint, the team, the file share, um, they were using also a OneNote, I mean, to save documents and copy documents. So we 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 kind of eliminated about, I would say, eighty percent of the different tools they had to share documents, and we've been able to apply, you know, security on the top of it. We've been able to apply, you know, naming convention, directory structures, access, granting access to people at the higher level, hierarchy, and you know, manage the access I mean, to the file and put security into it. That's um, cool. And you uh, did all of this in a week. The main move, I mean, uh, was about three days after we had to figure out a couple of uh, access issue, permission issue, right, between different systems. Uh, the beauty of it, I mean, uh, being a 
the Active Directory was already synced from internally to uh, to outside to Microsoft, so it was easier to make replication and repushing the, the, the correct I mean, uh, roles and permission into the file. We had I mean, Kapad, I mean, bad candidate at the end, I will say, where you know it, it took us uh, maybe two or three weeks to figure out why they cannot. Someone can see it, not the other person, but yeah, it was not critical, I will say. So yeah. And it's a and it's a long term solution to your problems anyway, right? You never have to move back into the office again. You're going to leave it out there. Yeah, not going to be out there. We even here we're in the phase now. I'm moving out. I mean, their DHCP servers, their network endpoint intake also. I mean, completely to the cloud, so we won't have any dependency. And their domain controller will be pushed to the cloud. So the office now becoming just. A, a bigger home where people can work all together, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so that's a that's a good point. What do you see as the future of all of this? When the all clear comes and we can start working together again, do you see the business shifting back to having people come into the office to work, or do you see it now becoming primarily everybody working remotely, and then the office? I don't know. Maybe even going away. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I would say I'm probably the old I mean, generation, even if I started to work remote a long time ago. And I, and I used to have people uh, working with me and for me across I mean, the globe in the yeah. uh, continent. I still, maybe because I, again, old generation, I still need, the video is kind of nice, but I, I need to have a physical contact with people. Yeah. I, like to, I like to be in a room to be relaxed, see body language. Uh, and being able to be formal and informal with people, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's no, things, I'm, I'm there's totally with you. Using through conferencing, and you will see also a lot of time, there is a good portion of people don't turn the camera on. So you're just yeah. talking to the screen, you're not talking to someone, right? Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that. The other, the other thing I've thought a lot about is brainstorming, right? I, I don't see how you can do a really good job brainstorming with people when everybody's on a, a video conference session. I think you need to be sitting around a table with a whiteboard and, and be able to throw ideas uh, back and forth and and literally bouncing it off of each other. Otherwise, it's just not as effective. Well, the brainstorming is something very interesting because we we're designing lots of you know new solution and uh, we're developing a complete ecosystem you know into the cloud for this organization. And we're making everything digital from their telephony system to their uh, support desk to uh, the customer request. I mean, every, we moved everything to be completely digital. So we have a lot of design session. Um, and you find out, like, like you said, it's not like it's less productive. I think there is still a lot of ideas. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it, suddenly there is a personality who's coming to, into play, which might not come into your room. If someone's got a stronger, a stronger personality and maybe higher level of communication, um, it will take over kind of a design and the direction. And people will follow. It's easier for people to follow that way. And when you're in your room and you can make a note on the whiteboard, say, "Hey, let's go back after the person finished something." Yeah, you don't have as much opportunity to make correction to the path until it's too late. Huh, <laughs> you know, uh, and that's that's something I said always. Let's go back because I think we we don't have a clear over, uh, overview because people get focused on where they want to go and suddenly you lose the the big picture. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah, you focus and it's too narrow and you narrow because not only because 
people uh, got tendency about thinking about what they need to achieve, but also now you have a very narrow, narrow screen you're sharing where it's hard I mean, to put hours everywhere, adding bugs. I mean, you know what it yeah. is, do things on a whiteboard, right? Yeah, it's it's funny. The, the, the term that famously gets used for kind of some of the things you're talking about is the parking lot, right? You're having a conversation and you've got the mainstream of the conversation and the idea that you want to focus on. And then something comes up and you're like, oh, that's really good. Let's go back to that. We'll put it in the parking lot for now, right? And it's this separate board that's sitting off on the side somewhere where you write it down. And you're right, that would get lost in a, uh, in a more focused space where you can't, where you, you're not immersed in all of it. Yeah. It's interesting. So yeah, it's still productive. I mean, I think something people learn across all this is to to have a virtual body. Um, so I've seen a couple of the engineers and designers I'm working with. Um, they, they get them I in two working sessions a day. So not only they're following their, some of them use them I in project management, some of us using, you know, sprint and a very agile, I mean, methodology. Uh, but they got them in walking session, but literally it's walking session. So they kind of speak out loud about what they're doing, what they're developing, how they're thinking about connecting the thing. And they kind of making this interaction like they were sitting to each other. They, okay. they, don't, they don't share the screen. They just share the session. You see what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that's very interesting. People learn about being able to do this kind of cooperation, like it's the same thing as they were sitting to someone else. They they, 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 they they try to virtually replicate what they had in the office when they had someone on their left, someone on their right. Here they have the people virtually, and they're walking. They're not saying anything for 20 minutes, and suddenly someone's going to say something. Yep. Asking a question to the other person. So it, it's kind of a virtual office, if you think so, except it's, there is no physical aspect. So I've seen that more and more. How about your, how about your customers? So you're, you're the technology guys, and you provide the services for the people who are doing the, the other parts that run the business. How, how are they holding up in all of this? And what's it been like doing support for them remotely? Well, there is a support team, so I'm really doing the, uh, putting the system in place. and Okay. The IT support team, they've been supporting people at their house, right? So one of the changes, oh, well, the internet connection, you know, it's not as good as the one they had in the office. Right. Or the VPN never been set up correctly into their laptop. Uh, kind of the same issues they had when, they, if, you, if you think about it, when they're looking at it, um, people are still complaining about the same thing. So yeah. the, the technology support you know, relationship between the users and the technology has not changed. Oh, I cannot see anything on my screen. Well, have you checked if it's plugged in? Oh, no, it was not. So, you know, you know, you know the old story. If it's been here for 35 years, that's never going to change. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Um, it, 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 well, it's just a bit more, I, I would say, difficult. Uh, they don't, they, when you're in the office, the support team can just stop by and, you know, resolve the issue. Now, they have to be a bit more conscientious about, hey, can we book some time? Uh, do you have time now? So start with chat. Uh, try to push about uh, about being able to do remote logging on the desktop of the user, so they can you know fix the issue. So yeah, kind of small adaptation. Um, I, I'm not sure if there is less appreciation or more appreciation because I'm keep hearing positive and negative uh, coming from the uh, users to the support team. Some people are very recognizing like it's more difficult. I mean, thank you for the support. I mean, I know I'm working from home. Da 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 da. Uh, yeah. And some of our users kind of like, yeah, this is their job. Who cares about where we are? Right. Well, people, <laughs> unfor unfortunately, people are people, whether times are good or times are bad, right? 
Yeah, they, they had kind of an example where they, I mean, some of the IT team had to go to the house of the user. And, I would imagine uh, that's uncomfortable in and, the... You know, the uncomfortable, especially when there is no, I, I would say, you know, big, big thank you, right? How about how about your life in general, your outside of work? Um, everything changed. Well, the things which I changed for me, well, again, you know, so my wife and I, we're working, we have two different offices in the house. So one thing which I changed is we see each other less than we used to. Even with a two, <laughs> even with a two to three hours of traffic, right? It, it sounds like, uh, you know, we do our stuff in the morning, you know, and after we go to our office and we might cross each other for lunch, it's not unusual to be at, still at your desk at 7 p.m. So we, it, it seems like we see each other less than we used to. <laughs> then in the same house. <laughs> yeah, 24 by 7 becomes a normal workday, I guess. But the, 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 the benefits, I see the good things is I started to uh, spend more time in, into my garden and doing my gardening. So okay. I, I, I've been growing, I mean, some of my own fruits. I've been growing, uh, you know, passion fruits. I've been growing dragon fruit. I've been growing avocados. I've been growing uh, tomatoes. Nice. Uh, I mean, I've been trying everything I've been eating at the store. I've been taking the seeds out and try to grow it. So I've got persil, I've got basil, I've got, you know. Nice. Very nice. Uh, That's, That's cool. from scratch. And it's kind of relaxing. And it, it does give you also an overall uh, view of the world about how amazing is nature. Technology is fantastic. It's human-made, right? It's kind of amazing to see, like, from a small stick of wood, I mean, you're making a tree. I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm amazed about it. <laughs> how about the kids? Uh, you've got kids, um, they're a little bit older, uh, high school age. Yeah. Uh, what was what was the end of last year like? Were they caught up in the whole school closed down? Was graduation affected? Uh, yeah, none of them had graduation. Um, yeah. well, my, uh, so my son is in college. Um, second year, so he's going to his third year. Next year, he's going to go to Santa Barbara. But last year, he was, I mean, locally into a community college. The impact for him, not too much. However, my daughter, which is a... Third year in high school, uh, so she had to cut everything short for sure. Um, yeah, she went back home, decided to do class in. Um, so the things have changed. Uh, you know, they they've been spending more time with me and you know in my house um, than at them. Um, so instead of doing weekend and couple, you know, uh, nights a week, now we we kind of started at the beginning. Let's do fourteen days by fourteen days, right? Try to get this COVID something up. Should see it in fourteen days. So positive aspect for me is like more time with my kids, more time to do things together. Uh, you know, they're more around. So it's forcing me to stop walking, right? I mean, at seven. Oh, I need to cook. So yeah, like, yeah. You know, same same cooking. here. I need to go upstairs every day at some point and actually yeah. go make dinner for everybody. Uh, Allison, my daughter, uh, was a senior this past year, uh-huh. and of course, the shutdown of everything meant that. She had all of the work of a senior year, but none of the fun that goes along with it. Because all of the things that make senior year fun are in the second half of the year. And uh, we completely lost that. So it was kind of uh, it was kind of tense at first. And then she got used to it. And college became the important thing. And, and now we're dealing with the colleges are going to open up next year remote. But um, she may wind up in some kind of hybrid mode because she's studying music. And some things you just can't do on on Zoom, right? How about your how about your extended family? You still have family in Europe, so how how are they doing through all of this? 
Um, well, France, I mean, it's been doing not to, again, uh, I, I, I think, I mean, my family, uh, as I do over here, you know, I kind of disconnected myself from the news, right? Um, I disconnected myself from all the negativeness and positiveness and just uh, uh, try to have the, take the best out of it and keep the, the, the common sense, right? So, yeah, wear a mask, wear, you know, uh, wash your hand, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, keep your distance with people. It's common sense, right? Um my parents and some of my family, you know, I mean, are getting older now, so they're part of a population at risk, so you're a bit more concerned about it. But they've been doing okay. They've been taking care of themselves, make sure they were not going to the grocery store, you know, every two days as they used to it. I mean, it's not like America. In France, you almost go do your grocery every day because you buy fresh every day, right? Right, yeah. So they stop that. They put more, I mean, uh, things to be in the fridge and in the freezer, um, my dad, I mean, my mom still go out. I mean, they were still going out, you know, on the street, uh, but stay away from people just to make their walk, you know, kind of a mile or two miles walk every day. Are they, are, do they live in one of the bigger cities or do they live in more of the countryside? Yeah, this is also the beauty of, uh, my, my family, all my family now are almost outside of a big city. So I would say where my, my dad and my aunts living today, I think the populations might not be more than 150,000. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a countryside too. So if you go kind of one mile, I mean, by the way, suddenly you get field, right? I mean, it's no longer street house or some store. Now you see field and whatever it's a cereal or a veggies, it's, yeah. it's a countryside. So um, I'm guessing that because of that, they weren't big lockdowns. I know Italy almost completely locked down for a period of time, right? Because of how bad the spread was. Well, they had a lockdown. So the, the government in France I mean, put something in place where if you needed to go outside, you needed to have a permit. If, okay. If the cops were stopping you and you didn't have a permit to go out. So they, they put a system in place where people uh, could request a permit, can print a permit, can have a permit by text or by email because they need to get medication or because they were running out of some food or um, they had to go and visit, I mean, someone. So they, they had to run this program about, I would say about month and month to two months where they put restriction in the entire country, not only cities or pocket, about you had a restriction about going out. You had to stay on. So I think they started 14 days. They extended because of the big cities. Uh, you know, we know people, I mean, not all respecting what right. you're supposed to do. Yeah. So they actually extended from the first, I mean, they, they, they started for four, three weeks. So they could have this kind of 15 days of COVID, you know, incubation. And after they extended that, and because they had some peak of people are reporting them to be positive, they, they kind of extended that. So they had this kind of restriction, very strict restriction, uh, I would say about kind of two months, I mean, total. They have a better sense of control of things than at this point, right? They're not spiking like we are. The first time in two months of whatever, everybody was really focused on doing the right thing. Yeah. After it turned out to be political. I think in the United States, it was the other way around. It started to be political before it became everybody needs to work together. Yeah. So that's yeah. why, some, again, that's my own opinion. I think that's why we see the charts to be kind of not upside down, but didn't work the same way as some countries in Europe. Yep. Uh, I agree. I think the country, because of the election year, I think regardless about people are from you know center, left or right, I think people should have been more focused about the people instead of 
something else. Yep. Yeah. Um, definitely so, a missed opportunity on our part. Yeah. So they, they, they went through this stuff them and, and people in France, I mean, same thing. They complained about, you know, the presidents and they complained about they haven't done the right thing and they didn't have any masks. They had, I mean, concern about the hospital capacity, the same concern, everything we heard, I mean, here in the US, but this started after. So I think also the, the challenge, uh, they didn't have, uh, in, in the country is smaller than the U.S., right? So it's, yeah. it's the size of maybe, you know, two or three states, you know, maximum. Yeah. So so the South of France had a very uh, drastic, I mean, treatment in the hospital, which instead been proven to be working. Uh, but people in big city or on the north of France, I think, had, they were more politi- uh, politically uh, influenced by, I would say, you know, the economy, the pharmaceutical, I mean, companies. Um, but I think in France, what happened, again, you have this very strict, I mean, uh, lockdown, which happened uh, yeah. before people uh, started to complain because everybody had the same focus. Let's protect ourselves. Let's have a common sense. I look at Paris for the past month and a half. I mean, people are sitting at the bar in all the streets. They're drinking and eating together. The French government also uh, has been uh, stated, like, it's reopened, but you need to keep your common sense. So, you know, we're not, I, I'm not an expert. I've got my own opinion and own beliefs. Uh, I, I think if everybody was doing the right thing, it means the common sense, to protect yourself and protect the others, but we should be able to continue to live. Well, let me finish something about one of the things of the impact of this COVID in Europe, too. I mean, I saw my, my grandmother I mean, passed away when, uh, when that happened. Of COVID? Yeah, but, but, but this is something interesting, right? So she, well, she was 103 years old. Uh, so she had a long life. She's been waiting to go back to her beloved ones and uh, meet uh, her creator, uh, like she uh, likes to say. Yeah. Um, but she she had COVID with no symptoms. It didn't help out. I mean, in her case, this is not what caused her to to pass away. Right. Um, but the impact for me and for my family is you need closure. That's my only, you know, grandmother. That's um, my dad and, and sisters. I mean, mother. And you cannot, you know, have a, a proper funeral. This, this is what uh, personally I think impacting people in their head more than health closure into uh, when you get something like this. So yeah. uh, here I say thank you for technology because uh, uh, one member of my family was able to get, uh, you know, uh, an authorization from the government to have a small ceremony with three people. So we had people, I mean, to record the pictures. Uh, I, did, I did the services online, uh, even with the time zone. So the, yeah. the, almost the entire family and friends came online where we were all talking about my grandmother. And, and the next day, I had the video of uh, the last main place where she's resting now and the ceremony they had, I mean, to, to do that. And in less than two days, we had everybody talking together, which is what's kind of nice. I mean, talking about our, uh, you know, experience and things we had in the past with my grandparents. Some, somewhere, we, we've been able, even in this difficult time, uh, here leverag- leveraging the technology to have closure or put closure. Because we saw, we saw where she would, I mean, rise. I mean, for the, you know, she will stay for the rest of her life now. Um, so, uh, but that's what, I, this was, a, it's an impact people don't realize. You get, you had them in France or people who got sick, you cannot see them. You cannot visit them. You cannot go yeah. to your last, I mean, you know, farewell or goodbye. That's something I think which might have impacted more people than we think mentally. Uh, um, yeah. That's not only, you know, 
there's a natural aspect of closure of uh, you want to be able to say goodbye or you want to you want to make sure your friend knows you were here you can hold his hand said hey i'm here but, you know there is there is a it's it's not easy for every circumstances to just be remote or do remote things. Oh, I get it. I've got an 87 year old dad who's in a, an assisted living facility that I haven't actually seen face to face since March now, um, because that place is in lockdown, right? Yeah. And he's got a little bit of dementia, so some days he's able to talk on the phone, some days he can't remember how to use his phone, and we don't get to talk. And I understand. Uh, the the separation and not being able to to have that that closeness and being able to be there to help and to help soothe things out you know I, I'm fortunate that some of the people that are helping take care of him will do uh, like a FaceTime call with us mm-hmm. once a week so we get to do some face to face time but he doesn't really fully understand what's going on around him and so the fact that nobody's come around in months has been really hard on on all of us so I. I understand the idea of keeping contact with people and closure being a challenge, especially with older folks. So, yeah. What do you think the next six months is? Oof. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, I'm looking at it, you know, every two weeks um, as I'm in the company I'm working with and with the industry. Uh, you know, the revenue went from, uh, you know, 100% to minus, uh, you know, 20%. Yep. Um, in less than a week. So, like I said, the, the company had, I mean, money in the bank. They were getting money every day, and suddenly they had to stop. So, no more revenue, but they had to reimburse people who already had been approved for staff. So, not only no more things were coming in, but they have to give things back. Yeah, so it's been very, very tough. So, I, I'm my force is only you know kind of looking after in the next, I mean, fifteen days. I, I, I wish. Uh, people will have a bit more common sense. I don't see people being very concerned. Yeah, I have a little bit of a theory on that. I'm from New York originally. I have a lot of friends in New York, right? And New York has become very, um, very under control uh, relative to much of the rest of the country. And that's because they've already experienced the nightmare of what it's like when it's at its worst. And I think that unfortunately, people seem to have the need to see those extra refrigerated trucks sitting behind hospitals that have bodies in them before they start to realize how serious the problem is. That's a visual visual effect. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I wish I wish there were a way to translate that information out to every single person, like here in Southern California, so that they understood that the stakes are put on a mask, stay a distance from people for two, three months and watch all of this start to quiet down and get under control or look for the the big tractor trailer behind the hospital near your house where they're storing the extra bodies because you don't want to put on a mask. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just need to do the right things for me and the others. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. If I keep my distance, if I protect myself, if I wash my hand, if I do that, my risks are minimum. I mean, you need... So yeah. somewhere you said like, okay, stop the paranoia. Let's do the right thing. Let's give the right message to people around you. Well, I, I always wear the mask just for respect for the others. But you know what? By respect for the others and because that's the right things to do, wear a mask. Yeah. Um, and if everybody had the same attitude from my point of view, we should be in better shape. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time today. Is there anything I can plug for you? Nah. 
Sylvan, thanks for talking with me today. Hey, Jeff, thank you very much. And uh, hopefully see you soon. I mean, personally, face to face. Yes. Yeah.